Hey guys, how are you? Welcome to the Image Junkies podcast, YouTube and IGTV feed. I'm trying to kill three birds with one stone, so uh, I might be more descriptive than I would usually be for YouTube and for Instagram, but I'm sure you'll still get the gist of what I'm talking about. So today it's a new episode and I want to talk about my recent trip to South Sudan, to Juba and beyond. Uh, it was an interesting trip. It was exactly the sort of trip that is very, very challenging for this job. Um, and so I wanted to sort of talk to you about it and describe it and explain the challenges and the kit that I carried and why. So basically uh, what I was carrying, I only carry uh, as minimal kit as possible. So I had a suitcase, hard shell suitcase, because I find Pelly cases, I think, are far too obvious. They mark you out as a, a journalist or a TV cameraman. So I had my big blue hard shell suitcase and a big hold all uh, with my body armor in it and various clothes and so on, because that's a soft bag. So that's all I had, plus my hand luggage, which you can see here. For those of you listening, I've got a big gray F-stoppers bag that's just big enough for hand luggage. Um, it's got a separate compartment and it's really great actually if you can see on the video here let me see if I can take this out so inside the bag there's a whole compartment that pulls out bear with me it's unzipped so just got to put that back in and pull it out ah okay I'm dropping it but anyway so basically this whole section big black section with padded your sort of classic photographer's padded bag inside, and that goes inside the F-stopper's bag, which is really great. And it still leaves plenty of space for your laptop, charger. I have a first aid kit that I carry, um, just to show you that. I've got this little first aid kit that comes everywhere with me. And in here, I've got a pair of nitrile, powder-free nitrile gloves. Uh, first thing you should always put on in an emergency. Also gives your brain time to think, as well as protecting you from blood and germs and so on. Uh, just some basics like a med lemon or lemsip if you're from the UK. Some rehydration salts. Um, I've got my tourniquet. I've just got a large gauze swab, like a big plaster basically. A hemostatic agent for stopping bleeding. That's in there and then a uh, mouth cover for giving CPR. I also have one of those on my key ring. So that comes everywhere with me. So that's in my hand luggage. And then inside the actual photography bag itself, let me break down what I've got in there because I don't like to carry my camera loose. I always like to have my camera um, tucked away, out of sight. You know, for example, through Kenya airport, if you're carrying TV kit, you will get stung by customs often if it's too obvious. Uh, and you end up having to pay a customs agent to come and rescue you. It's a lot of hassle and it's very expensive. With my way of doing things, yeah, you might still get stopped and searched, and maybe you still end up having to do all the customs paperwork and paying somebody to come and rescue you, but it's a lot less likely. You're cutting your chances substantially. So anyway, inside my bag here, let me come a bit closer to the cameras for those of you watching. I have, um, let me take it all out. I've got a 50mm Samyang lens for my Sony a7S 1.8. I've got my new Sony Z90, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. 
Then I've got my radio mic receiver and the top handle for the Z90, which um, has two XLR inputs. I've also got in here a little battery powered light. I've got the filter for the um, 50 mil Samyang. I've got a ND filter, uh, ND400 for the Z90, but I didn't end up using it. Someone had told me that even with the full ND on on the Z90, sometimes you can't work wide open, but actually I didn't have a problem with that, so that was a bit wasted. Uh, I've got a Fluffy for a stick mic, which is also here, a Rode or Roder, I think it's NT2, let me just check that, NTG2. And then I've also got the top mic for the camera, just the little Sony one that came with it. So that's basically what I have in there. That's my, um, I, I suppose that's the camera kit and it's also uh, some spares. But then the, the little bag that I carry with me everywhere when I'm filming is this little olive colored uh, hip bag, bum bag, whatever you want to call it, that has two, that has a strap that goes over my shoulder and another one that goes around my waist. For those on the video, I'm just doing that now. Uh, for the podcast listeners, I'm just putting that on. There you go. So that's not going anywhere. It's a really good bit of kit. Um, very, very happy with that. So then let me just take it off so I can tell you what's inside. Right, so inside here, I've got a second camera. I've got a Sony a7S and with a 10 to 18 mil lens on it. Uh, which is great, super wide angle. And the reason I wanted to carry that lens rather than any others is because the Z90 lens isn't that wide. It's not particularly wide. So although it's a great little camera and I'll float some shots over for those watching on the video in a bit. Uh, great camera, good range on it, but on the wide end, uh, it's not great. I mean, in a, in a small room, you'll struggle to get the whole room in. Whereas with this 10 to 18 mil, I can get everything in. So it just meant I had that option if I needed it. I've also got my radio mic in here, a couple of lens cloths, and then all of my batteries for both cameras always live in the right hand of these two pockets. There's pockets on either side of the bag. Uh, I always keep fresh batteries in the right one and put used batteries in the left one. That's like my thing. So if I'm in a rush, I'm not having to try and remember where they are. There's also a front pocket on the front of the bag. And in there, I just keep spare cards and my headphones uh, and another lens cloth because you always need lens cloths. It's one of my mantras. The thing you always miss most when you don't have it is a lens cloth. So that's pretty much my run and gun rig. I mean, in the suitcase, I had a monopod. I decided not to bring a tripod. Um, tripods are great, but frankly, I'm at a stage where I just can't be bothered to carry one. I can get just as steadier shots with a monopod unless I'm filming something very, very far away, which is quite rare with the sort of work that I do. Um, and you know what? I didn't miss my tripod one little bit. The monopod was perfect for interviews, pieces to camera, pretty much everything really. Uh, I've got a, I don't have the monopod here with me. It's, it's packed away, but it's a Manfrotto and it's got the little ball hinge at the bottom, which also means you can do little moves with it, which is quite nice. And it's so light, you can carry it with two fingers. And for those watching on the video, I'm gonna flow over now shots of a piece to camera I did where um, basically I did it handheld using the monopod. I sort of held it like this, uh, set the focus and everything up in advance. Uh, and I just walked with the reporter 
And when I put it into Final Cut Pro, I'll be honest, with that and the active stabilization in the Z90, which is brilliant, I'll be honest, I think most people probably would have thought I was using a gimbal, it was that good. So the combination of the monopod with the Z90 and the active stabilization, plus a bit of stabilization you can add in Final Cut Pro 10, was really, really good and I highly recommend it. I didn't bother getting my gimbal out on this trip because I just used the monopod and the Z90 and you know what, I was really happy. Um, it gives you that lovely look that's kind of somewhere between handheld and a gimbal, which just leaves people guessing and doesn't look, because gimbals are so overused now, I find it just adds a little bit of edginess to it that you don't get with a gimbal. So I was quite happy with that. Um, the Sangyang 50mm Prime I didn't end up using because you can get with this Z90, you can get um, shallow depth of field, believe it or not. Um, so it's a tiny little camera. For those listening, I'd say this camera's probably from the front of the lens to the back of the viewfinder, 10 inches probably, something like that. Let's just hold it closer to the other cameras for those watching. So that's how small it is. If I put it in, it, it's just a bit bigger than my hand, basically. Then with the XLR sort of plug-in top handle, it makes it a bit bigger, but it's still really, really impressive for what it is. Um, this camera costs about, I think it's about 2,500 pounds, something like that. Let me put a battery on it, because um, some of you might be interested in the, the settings that I used. The other thing I was worried about with this camera before using it was the viewfinder. I was worried with a flip out screen that I'm never going to be able to see in bright sunshine. And you know what? I couldn't. In bright sunshine you cannot see that flip out screen even though it's probably quite good compared to others. Um, but this viewfinder, it's got a tiny little viewfinder, but you know what? In bright sunshine, very bright sunshine, I was able to use that viewfinder no problem at all. So I highly recommend that. Uh, I pretty much ignored the flip out screen for filming outdoors and just used a viewfinder, which was, which was great. Um, other things on this camera that are worth knowing. Handheld's pretty good. Like I say, it's got the active stabilization. So I was able to throw this camera around and it was very smooth. I was very happy in a way that I can't really throw my A7S around, but I could with this, which was, which was great. Um, one thing is that I love, but I'm not used to or haven't been for a while, is it's got built-in ND filters. Uh, you've got 0, 1, 2, 3. 3 is a 164th ND. And the other thing I love about this is the autofocus. The autofocus on this is staggeringly good. It's not 100% perfect. There was a few times where I wasn't totally happy. And what I would do then, because the manual focus is too fiddly, and in this little viewfinder, it's great, but I don't trust it with very fine focus. So what I would do is I've set my um, assignable button number two, which is just inside the LCD screen here. I've set that to the focus settings. And when I press that, it gives me the option to flick through and choose my focus area. So what I would do, I keep it on wide generally, but then um, when I'm filming an interview or something, for example, because I don't want to take any risks, I flick that down to flexible spot, and that gives me a little square on the viewfinder, which allows me to move around and put it on the face that I want it to focus on. So really, really good. I set that to my assignable button too, and it worked really well on this shoot. Um, white balance I just left on auto the whole time, and the colors were fantastic. I was very, very happy with the colors. 
the iris can be a little bit fiddly because there's a tiny little button um, just there for those watching on the video that can be a bit fiddly, you're sort of you're flicking around between ISO gain, iris. I kept hitting the menu button by mistake. So that got a bit fiddly. Um, so sometimes I would find myself changing the ISO slash gain by mistake or whatever, but generally I got away with it uh, and it wasn't a particularly big problem. Um, I'm trying to think, it does have peaking, but because I was mainly using the autofocus settings, I didn't really need it. It was just nice to know it was there. Um, you can switch between auto and manual focus if you want to. There's a little button on the left-hand side of the lens. Um, then the record settings I was using, let me just confirm that with you. So if I go into the menu, I go to, bear with me, let me remember which one it is. Record set. Okay, I was using XAVCHD, which is 1080, 50p, 50 megabits per second. Um, I can also go XAVCQFHD. I'm just setting that now, um, which is, what are the settings on that? This is 2160, it says, slash 25p, 100 megabits per second. Um, so, I don't think with this card I can get full HD, uh, sorry, full 4K, but I haven't needed it, I haven't even bothered trying. It is, this is a 1000 times Lexar, 150 megabit per second, 64 gig SD card. Um, and I didn't even work on the highest settings available on that, because that only gives me 74 minutes of record time. Whereas when I change it, if I change that back to what I've been using, which is XAVCHD, when I press the menu now, I've now got 140 minutes of record time on this. It's still 50 megabits per second, and it still, in my opinion, looks stunning. Now, the next thing a lot of people are gonna ask about is picture profile. So uh, there's an assignable switch here, number three, which goes straight into picture profile. And I was using uh, a setting that was given to me by former guest of the podcast, Barnaby Mitchell. Uh, and what that is, I put it on picture profile four, and all I changed was black level to minus eight, and gamma to ITU709. Let me see if you can see that, if I put it close there, I don't know if you can see that on YouTube, and there on Instagram, it's probably back to front on Instagram, because I'm using the reverse camera on my iPhone. But anyway, so that's gamma to ITU709, um, and then black level minus eight. And you know what, I was really happy with that. I had tried a different setting. I'd set my PP1 um, to, let me open it. I'd tried copying um, a setting that I've got on my A7S which is um, a setting you have to buy uh, from uh, Andrew Reed. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of his website. It's the EOS something something. Anyway, he sells a picture profile, custom pr picture profile, but I tried it on my A7S, it works brilliantly. I don't want to give away what it is because the guy sells it, he's got to make a living. I can't give it away to you. But I mean, if you're tech savvy, I'm sure you can find it online. So anyway, um, I tried that as my PP1, and it looked fantastic on my A7S, 
and absolutely awful on my um, Z90. Very noisy, very ugly. Uh, I shot the first day on it and I thought, oh my God, what have I done? Um, if, if I can float these now on the video version, I'll show you on the left the shots I did overlooking the River Nile with uh, this picture profile and the ones with the picture profile I changed it to, which was the ITU 709-8 black, blah, blah, blah. And you'll see the difference for yourself. It's quite a staggering difference. Um, so let me just set, make sure I've set my picture profile back to where I want it. Uh, should be PP4. Um, so that's my very brief look at the Z90. I don't want to go into too much detail now because at the end of the day I wanted to talk more generally just about kit and so on. Um, the, the A7S I kept with me, like I say, just for the wide shot. So I'd pull it out when I needed it, low angle, wide shot. Just something that would be a bit different, a bit sexy. I, I like for opening and closing shots of every sequence, something really wide, low, quirky angle, just something a bit different. So it was great for that. Um, so that's kind, of, that's kind of where I was kit-wise. Uh, I also had a reflector with me, um, lots of cables and stuff in case I had to do lives, but in the end I didn't. So let's just take a couple of minutes to talk about what it's like working in South Sudan or places even like South Sudan, even if it's not South Sudan. Uh, the short answer is very, very difficult. I've worked in South Sudan probably for, I think it was my fourth trip and I've always enjoyed it or I had previously, despite the challenges. For those who don't know, it spent 20 odd years fighting for its independence from the North, from Khartoum. And then a few years after independence, it descended into a civil war essentially between two tribes, the Dinka and the Nua, but that's a very simplistic look at it. It was to do with the two leaders, the president and the vice president. Anyway, this isn't a history or, or a lesson on um, world politics, but you know, you can Google it and look it up. But essentially, it's a very difficult place to work. Um, it's hard to get a visa in the first place. You have to get various letters from ministries within South Sudan. And then when we got there, um, firstly, it's the worst airport you'll ever go to in the world. It's like a, a tent, more or less. Um, I think they're rebuilding another airport, but when that will be finished, who knows? It's essentially a tent. It's all finger searches. Even when you arrive, they finger search your bags and make you open everything, um, which is a bit disconcerting and very time consuming. But essentially then, to be able to travel anywhere within the country, you need sign-off from the Department of National Security. So there you are, you book your flight with the UN, they say they're gonna take you to, uh, we were meant to go to Lear, which has been the scene of some heavy fighting. And we were gonna go with the head of the UN in that part of the world. And uh, the Department of National Security wouldn't stamp our papers, which meant we weren't allowed to get on the UN flight. Uh, and, and this happened more than once. And it was very, very difficult to travel around. So if you are going to go there for work, just be aware, getting there is half the battle. But then even when you get there, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to travel around and give yourself at least three or four days to deal with all the paperwork because it will not happen overnight. Um, it's probably easier if you don't want to go to anywhere where there's been fighting or problems. That's probably a little bit easier. So bear that in mind. Um, filming on the street is very, very difficult. Um, we basically just didn't do it. My colleague who had been there not that long ago said they'd had so many troubles 
filming on the street, even though they had the right paperwork, that it just wasn't worth it. So we didn't. It's all right once you're outside of the main towns, like in the rural areas, it's a bit more chilled out as it is in many countries. But just be aware if you do go there that it's very, very difficult to film on the street. Whatever you do, don't film soldiers unless you have specific permission from their commander, which is not going to be easy to get. Um, I got some shots with soldiers in it at a, a sort of checkpoint where some lorry drivers had just stopped after being robbed. And because I was using my A7S, they gave permission for us to take a few photos to show the lorry drivers who'd been robbed. Um, but what they didn't know is that I was filming video, but because my A7S looks like a stills camera, I got away with it. If I'd have started putting mics and things on, I would never have got the sound bites of the lorry drivers telling us what happened. But just by using this and pretending it was a, well, it is a stills camera, but pretending I wasn't shooting video, I was able to get some really good access that I would never have got otherwise. So that was a real bonus actually, and very, very useful. Um, we stayed at a very nice hotel that was very pleasant called the Affex. So if you go there for work uh, and you're looking for somewhere to stay, I recommend it. Good food, good accommodation, good security. Uh, we, had, um, we had a local fixer. I won't give his details now, but if anyone's interested, you can direct message me and I can, I can send those. US dollars, uh, fine. Um, as a currency you can use to pay for most things. But the local currency is called South Sudanese pounds, which is about 300 South Sudanese pounds to $1. Uh, and just as an aside, uh, before the Civil War, it was about three. So that shows you how inflation has really sort of destroyed the economy as well as everything else. So I think that pretty much gives you an overview of what I've been up to, how I was packing, and what kit that I was carrying and what I thought of my new Z90, uh, which in short, I think is bloody brilliant for the price. Uh, very handy, very small, and highly recommend it. Well, it's been a short episode, guys. I probably forgot to talk about a million and one things that I wanted to talk about. But uh, do feel free to tweet me, uh, at Image Junkies. Uh, although I'm not on Twitter as much these days, maybe Instagram's a better bet. But you can also, if you know me, just email me or call me if you've got any further questions or you're planning on going to South Sudan or you're planning on using one of these little bad boys. Um, and I'll, I'll try and give you whatever help I can. All right, guys, take care.